State your name for the record. Jin Erso. Forgery of Imperial documents. Possession of stolen property. Aggravated assault. Resisting arrest. On your own from the age of 15. Reckless, aggressive, and undisciplined. This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. For years, the best podcasters from around the world have gathered to review, reminisce, and riff on popular franchises. They've assembled the Earth's mightiest superheroes, traveled to a galaxy far, far away, drank many martinis, shaken, not stirred, witnessed the battle of the Alpha Titan. Defended Earthrealm from Outworld. Get over here! And other audio adventures. But there were some movies that didn't make the cut. From the creators of Podcasters Assemble comes a movie hype series hosted by a motley crew of talent. How is Luke going to whack off now? Well, he's got a sister, so that's good. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Likes to ma- make out with whatever. Podcasters disassemble. All right. Well, this is the, I guess, the first official episode of, uh, of Podcasters Disassemble, because now we get to talk movies. My name is Zach. I'm from Neatcast and Effing Cultured, uh, one of your tolerated hosts. I'm also joined by Eric. Yeah, this is uh, Eric Slater from Epic Fails of History. Too young for this trek. Podcasters Assemble and Comic Zombie. With my co-host, Chris Carroll. Hey, Hey, this is Chris, uh, Comic Zombie, and Epic Fails of History, and of course, multiple episodes of Podcasters Assembled. Oh, and sorry. It's uh, me. Yeah, I'm a bad sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so From... fucking sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the other guy. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, from The World is My Burrito and uh, a few episodes of Podcasters Assemble, uh, now disassembled. And if there's any any significance to the name, you just heard it. Or maybe you didn't. We'll find out how good my editing is. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Rogue One But before we get into that, how did each of you guys discover and get into Star Wars? What, what was your first uh, encounter? Eric, where, where did you start out? So the first time I saw Star Wars, it was the original, Episode Four: A New Hope Although back then, the VHS literally just said Star Wars instantly enthralled i i grew up with this movie so it's hard to like really think of a time without this without star wars in my life um i know i i pretty much saw empire and jedi soon after that first that first viewing um and yeah i i have uh i grew up with like multiple copies of this thing because the special editions came out and then the dvds came out uh you know got the blu-rays you know so yeah it's it's kind of always been there, you know. What about you, Chris? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, you know, uh, like he said, and like when we talked about some of these movies on Podcasters Assemble, a lot of people just said, you know, I don't really remember a time without Star Wars. You know, when I was born, <laughs> I'm so fucking old. Uh, VHS wasn't a thing yet. Like Betamax was, you know, VHS <laughs> and Betamax were kind of like dueling each other. And I think I want to say we had a copy of of all three of the original trilogy on both formats, but I can't swear to that. But I know that like my parents took me to see Jedi in the theaters when I was like really young, like too young to remember it. And apparently I freaked the shit out. Like I loved it. <laughs> and um, so I, I just would watch those movies on VHS in addition to, you know, all the classic 80s of back to the future, Indiana Jones, all the, but star Wars was always the one that like we had to keep replacing tapes cause they get worn through. Um, especially my little brother was like a huge Jedi fan. So he would watch that movie all the time. Um, but we also had all the toy, all the Kenner stuff. And, um, oh, yeah, not just the figures, but we had like the Ewok Village and Jada's Palace and the Death Star and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, it was always there. Um, and I kind of lost interest when the special editions came out because I, I hate that Turner classic movie revision of like old movies, and especially one that I love so much. So I was really like, man, F you, George Lucas. And then the prequels came out and I really <laughs> lost like all interest in it. Um, and then episode seven, kind of because it was basically just a nostalgia bomb, kind of woke it back up a little bit. And then the movie we're here to talk about today really kind of rekindled Mandrist all together. And then, you know, Mandalorian and all that stuff started coming out. So, yeah, I, long story short, it's just always kind of been there. So you kind of like Star Wars is what I got from this. Yeah, <laughs> I would say so. I mean, I was ne- I've never been like a maniac for it, but I do really. I, I enjoy them. I'll go see them in theaters and stuff like that, but not 10 times. I think that's an understatement. <laughs> Chris, for Chris what, probably Star knows. Wars? Yeah, you know like almost as much as I do about Star Wars, I think. Uh, maybe, but that's also because I have this weird encyclopedic knowledge of like nonsense that doesn't matter at all in real world <laughs> applications. So like you know, I could tell you the name of like Peter Parker's roommates in like the nineteen seventies, but I couldn't tell you like when my bills are due sometimes. So it's, it's not that I dedicate time to remembering those. <laughs> That's a good problem to have. Right That's there. a very Peter Parker <laughs> problem to have. Oh yeah. What about you, Corey? How'd you come to Star Wars? Um, kind of like uh, you know, you and Eric is that I I don't remember a time when there wasn't Star Wars. Um. Like, I'm pretty sure my first exposure was either it airing on TV or uh, just one of the recorded Mm -hmm. VHS tapes. Like, it aired at some point and my parents snagged it and then eventually we got, um, you know, the VHS official set. You know, both sets, both the uh, original three and then the prequel series when that came out. um, Because VHS was still (laughs) kind of a thing. Yeah, it's it's one of those like I, I can't say I'm like a, a mega fan, though I do like a lot of the lore. The lore is like fascinating. Um I've got the books and comics and short stories all on Darth Maul. Oh nice. So I, I've got basically everything about Darth Maul. Um I own a massive poster from <laughs> Movie Stop. Uh the Blu-ray um six film series released at the same time as Thor, uh, the first Thor film. So it was, it was the same day release date and movie stop 
it I think I measured it. It's like eleven Holy feet shit. wide by like three wow. or four feet tall, and it has That's Darth nuts. Vader and Thor on it. Um, so That's that awesome. Was, like, yeah. Oh, it's it, so it was a awesome. yeah a custom um a custom made banner for that release and they gave it away at the release thing nice yeah i i got into the comics a couple of years ago um i actually unsubscribed from the mainline star wars comics probably a year ago because they're just trash um but they like, started out really strong when marvel took took the title back they yeah did really great job but i think that was a lot uh to do with was it kirkman was it no not kirkman what am no, i saying jason aaron jason aaron, jason aaron was right there was just a lot of like you know it, it started off strong but then like two years down the line or something you're like yeah i read this exact plot line two years ago <laughs> when this really you know it, it that's disney it. they're milking but, it yeah the thing that keeps me in are the darth vader series and the dr afra series yeah, um, those are really both solid. of those. I yeah. love her. Her does she? Is she still hang out with those murder droids? Uh, let's see. Where are they at in the comics now? Mm, that series. Do you know what I'm ended. talking about? It's like the murder C three PO yeah. and that weird. The, like, yeah, the murder C three PO and the murder R two D two. Man, yeah, so awesome. I always tell people like if if you think you like Han Solo, read Doctor Afra. She out solos Solo. Um, like every part of her personality, she's just this like really untrustworthy, trustworthy person. But so Star Wars has kind of always been there. And, um, there, there was a period probably in like my mid to late twenties where I, I don't know, I just didn't really care, but my, um, I guess my connection with it was still learning more about the history of it. It's connection to Japanese history and Japanese filmography. Um, so yeah, I don't, whether I, liked it or not uh i have always had star wars in my life um even so much as reading some of the books like i've got plagueis i've got the darth bane trilogy um you know a couple of man anyone should read that um it actually improves the prequels a little bit i know that sounds crazy but like actually it's impossible not to i mean you can't (laughs) <laughs> it's like anything you add to it at this point you can't make it worse all you can do is make it better chris beat me to the joke <laughs> <laughs> what about you zach how did star wars get into your life so this it's kind of hard to remember because i've always like you guys i've always remembered long, long having ago. fuck you god damn it <laughs> <laughs> i had to it was right there there was right an opening there. crawl when i was being born it was really awkward <laughs> <laughs> sorry mom uh this is war <laughs> I've, I've always had star wars like you guys but i can't i honestly can't remember and i think and this is this is gonna probably sound awful I think I first saw the Ewok movies before actual Star Wars. I was just about to ask if anybody had watched those on VHS back in the day because they are atrocious. And they have just the the only connection they have to Star Wars, like the the, the lore and everything of it all, is just the fact that there are Ewoks and occasionally Stormtroopers in it. I mean, other than that, it's some weird shit, man. I gotta say, they're very out there. I kind of loved them as a kid. I haven't seen him since. And that's what I think my 
parents did was they were testing the waters because at that point I that all three of the original uh, had been out four, five, and six, and the two Ewok movies were made for TV and they were they were geared for kids. So I think they tested that whole idea of well, would would he be interested in something like this? And I remember as a kid loving the Ewok adventure and the battle for Endor. And then after that, uh, probably when I was a year or so, then they started showing me four five and six because that was, well, that was it. But, you know, then it was just Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And I remember even getting the trilogy on VHS as a complete set before the, the special edition. And it uh, number four still said Star Wars and then tiny little letters. It said A New Hope. Yes, that's yep. the one I had. It's okay. So the, A New Hope had Vader on the cover. Uh, right? Yeah, it was Vader, and then a stormtrooper, and then Empire had a storm- and then Yoda. Yes, <laughs> Yoda. <laughs> that's that's what we had. Yeah, I had the yep. same. And ones. then um, and then you know what? We, uh, they did do the special editions, which I did go to theaters to see because I had never seen Star Wars in theaters. So for me, even though it was yeah different and in yeah. a lot of ways the improvements made it worse i still enjoyed being able to go to theaters to see star wars because that was something i'd never i'd never done same i think the worst defender was jedi but yeah they it was still you did get to go see freaking star wars in movie theaters and that was pretty awesome Definitely. i felt like an idiot by the time jedi came around like i'm really paying to see this again okay. yeah why not and they had like that whole dance <laughs> scene and just so many add-ons that subtracted from it for me i was like jesus christ Christ. I will say real quick about the special editions. I think that Empire they may have actually improved. The Wampa scene was actually pretty good. If they just like, take it was the terrifying. Wilhelm screen out, nearly as cheesy. Falls, it's so much better. But I hate that. They, yeah, I, I hate mean that they put that in there. It, it is weird that they keep tweaking it every time they release. I'd it, have to go. It's so overall, badass I think when he just goes Empire. like nope and just war- like soundlessly jumps to his death or what he thinks is yeah. his death. <laughs> but when he jumps out, he's oh, like, totally. yeah! like this freaking oh god! I want to punch George Lucas in the balls so hard. So <laughs> I, I I remember when it came out. Um, I, I enjoyed them when they came out, but I'd have to go back and watch them. But I remember the most being changed at least visually was a new hope that one seemed to have the most visual yes. effects and everything that were like standing out in your face like shit was different in this in this movie yeah and then yeah. empire and jedi whether they <laughs> meant to do it on purpose or because they were receiving backlash i don't know but they i felt like they pulled back a lot of the extra visual effects of of extra mm-hmm. characters and creatures i, I think that might have been because I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, Zach, but I think that might have been because the original Star Wars was made on comparatively such a shoestring budget that they had to spend a lot of time like in the desert, in the trash. You know, like they couldn't do some of the things he wanted to do. Yeah. Whereas when they got around to Empire and Jedi, they were able to do a bit more of that. So I think there was just less of an itch on those movies in some instances. Um but also, I, I do think there's some merit to what you're saying, where like maybe they pulled back because the reaction was a bit strong. Like, do we really need all this crap in the background all the time? You know, it's it's the whole idea that sometimes less is more, and just because you can do something doesn't yes. mean that you should. Um, but that's that's how yeah. I looked at it. Oh, but totally. No matter. You know, and later at the end, we're gonna go. You know, we're gonna each list our top three to discuss. But I'll still watch any of these. 
if they're on, I'm still going to watch them. I'm not yeah, going to look at it and go, oh, yeah. screw it. It's, you know, episode two. A lot of people hate that. I'll still watch if it, if it's on TV. I'm not <laughs> I'm not <laughs> going to uh, change it to Forensics <laughs> Files or something, although I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we all got into Star Wars, but we're not talking about our past. We are talking about uh, one of the spinoffs. Uh, some have said this is the best Star Wars film, and we'll, I guess, discuss that at the end. Rogue One, a Christmas Star Wars story. <laughs> we have a mission for you. A major weapons test is imminent. We need to know what it is and how to destroy it. Is that clear? Yes, sir. What will you do when they catch you? What will you do if they break you? If you continue to fight, So when this came out, what it, were you guys hyped for this when it was being announced back in, oh, what was it, 2016? Yeah, it was 2016. Um, I, I was definitely intrigued. I was cautiously optimistic. I, um, I, I like the director, Gareth Edwards. I think he's pretty good. So I was like, all right, I'd be curious to see what his version of Star Wars is. And then I you know, saw an interview or read something, I don't remember, but they were talking about how kind of what the plot was um and how the whole thing was just kind of setting up the opening scene of star wars it's the death star plants you know how did they get them what is that you know what did that entail i said that's really interesting and then he said he wanted it to really emphasize the war in star wars and i i you know so by the time like before even the trailer came out uh, when they started announcing cast members and stuff i i gotta be honest i think i was probably as excited for this one um as anything other than maybe episode seven, just because you know you saw Han Solo in the trailer and was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, I'd have to say I was um, uh, seven was really interesting, and I mean, there it's it's one of those where like nothing much really happens in seven. Like yeah. a lot happens and nothing happens because just the beginning of a trilogy. Um, so yeah. it's like, yeah, I you know this this could go places. Um, Gareth Edwards did uh, Monsters back in 2010, which I remembered enjoying on uh, Netflix. And then he had a very safe take on Godzilla just two years prior. So it's like, okay, you know, I want to see what he can do, you know, with people. Uh, Because he had people against monsters. And and then he had monsters. And now it's people against people. And, you know, it's like, yeah, let's see what he can do. Um yeah, I don't. I don't think the cast ever really excited me. But it was like, yeah, cool. We're getting some more Star Wars content. Uh, and being that Rogue One was the first, and like the side movies, I didn't realize how much pain was going to follow from that. <laughs> I will say, oh, yeah. the, well, the ones that excited well, me the most were Donnie Yen, 
Forrest Whitaker and, and Alan Tudyk. Uh, but I, I don't remember if I even knew that Ben Mendelsohn and Mads Mikkelsen were in there, but those are like two of my favorite Dude, character this actors. this cast Donnie is Yen, incredible. Yeah, Donnie, Donnie Yen, Yen and Eddie yeah. It's like, it's how just, the hell did you get him in this movie? Like, what did so you do? So awesome. So <laughs> awesome. Like, I was so excited about that. And um, they didn't. he did not disappoint. Oh, yeah. yeah his... The thing that really sold me early on was the fact that it took place when it did. Yeah. Like the height of the Empire before the original trilogy. It seems like that's kind of the best time to set this kind of story in. You know what I mean? And what I think they did a really good job with it um, is it didn't feel shoehorned in. They no. told a story no, within a not limited amount of time. And it fit mm-hmm. right in, literally up to the start of of episode four of a new hope. And you, you like as it's going through, I'm I'm I know that it's somewhere near the beginning of episode four. I did not realize that it was minutes, uh, hours to minutes prior to episode four. Like it literally ends yeah, with the it's beginning such of episode a crazy four. Tie-in. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, that was also, thrilling. it makes the it makes Leia in particular. Not to mention, you know, the the Rogue One squad. But at the end, you know, Leia is right there with the Armada getting the plan. Spoilers. And uh, Vader sees their ship disconnect <laughs> from the starship and start to fly away. So it makes it even more badass in Episode Four when he storms on and killing everybody and everything. And he sees her and he's like, where are the plans? And she's like, oh, I'm sure. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's like, bitch, he saw you like five minutes ago. <laughs> it's, it just makes her even cooler. And she was already cool in that movie. So I, I thought that um, from the standpoint of like, well, met, you know, touching on existing canon and existing characters. And they did that a lot in this one, um, that it was it was really well done. When it really builds on what happens in that next movie, in the original movie. It also makes um, the Death Star it, scary. It's an opportunity yes but it was also a good opportunity to actually fill in some plot holes and i thought that was really clever the way they kind of worked that in well that that was always one of the things that you know this movie comes out of nowhere we know it's you know episode four what what happened to episodes one two and three we didn't know for decades this fills in a lot of things about the death star where it came from i mean we had that little tease in episode two from the flying (laughs) <laughs> uh, crickets from yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. they were yeah you know and how how they were helping to create it but this goes into a lot more detail about uh the the main imperial weapons developer um mm-hmm. I, f- I forget his Talking name as michelson's uh, character or ben mendelson's yes Mads is uh galen Urso. yeah and ben yes. mendelson's or so gale yeah so galen yeah galen's you know this weapons developer that you know apparently there's a hold up on the death star and so the empire comes to say hey well guess what we're bringing you back because uh there's a hold up and we don't know exactly when this is uh but we find out that this that galen has a wife and a daughter and the empire is a bunch of dicks (laughs) and they're gonna do what they want i gotta say that opening sequence with the black black sand beach um, is so visually striking, and then the death troopers. Like oh, the, I know the black stormtroopers who's who's uh, you can't like their their suits like uh, garble or scramble when they talk, so they can understand yes. each other. But when they talk, it's like you know it doesn't you can't understand it. Um, I thought they were. I always am a sucker for like stormtroopers yeah. that are off model, like the uh, and and mm-hmm. yes. and Empire. There's the guys <laughs> you with got the snow hoods. troopers, and yeah, 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 and then like the scout yeah. troopers and Jedi and. 
um, you know, the, the Imperial guards, the red guys that just briefly show up and never did anything for a while. Uh, I thought they were super (laughs) cool. Um, so yeah, I, I, right away, this one kind of grabbed me. Um, it, it really felt like the empire, like it made them feel very oppressive and Mendelssohn is such, such a good job as being Krennic is such an asshole that, uh, that that opening sequence is just I thought it set the stage very well which I really like Krennic because you have so many times you have you know a director or um, a colonel or whatever and they're just they're pawns themselves like they yes. don't have the balls to mouth off to um, <laughs> to anybody you know yeah. that they're they're you know, if, if Vader says something or Tarkin says something, they're not standing up to him. Uh, Krennic like went after yeah. Tarkin uh, yeah. verbally and got in, in his front of face everybody, like times. in front of a ton of dudes. Yeah, it, yeah, I love yeah. that. Gr- granted, granted, he was you know walking towards like a you know a non-existent CGI True. model, but you know it's, <laughs> he sold it. It wasn't to me. really a two hundred year old Peter Cushing. Are you talking about Grand Moff Uncanny Valley? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, honestly, I when I saw, I remember reading about it because uh, after they said when it's going to happen and that that Tarkin is going to be back, I'm going, that guy's dead, right? Yeah, all right, yeah, no, he is, he's yeah. definitely dead. Yeah, I was, I was Dude, really he'd surprised. He'd be like 140. <laughs> I was really surprised they didn't recast. Uh, I mean, I know Peter Cushing's like an all time great, but it was just something felt off yeah. about I like. Just using, it's, yeah, I don't know. I with, and the I, same I thing like with Carrie case, Fisher. It's a tough situation end. because it would if, it would be so only... glaring if they had mm-hmm. recast it because this does take place like an hour before that. Yeah, movie. it's damned if you do, damned at if the you same don't. time. Yeah, like there wasn't an easy answer to that. Yeah. I think considering they did a really good job, agreed. But like, I, I almost feel like they should have deep faked it. Maybe the technology just wasn't there yet. You well, know? it's the same as the Luke Skywalker bit in the Mandalorian. Like, if you've seen the deep fakes, it looks yeah. a significant amount better. And it's just, you know, the technology. It's you know the Silicon Valley thing. Your brain recognizes that's not a real person. It's fake. Kill it. You know. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I, but all that said, yeah. like, there's there's only a handful of moments where I really got that feeling. For the most part, I was. Sitting there going, wow, is that like existing footage? Like, that's crazy. And then you see like a close up of his face. And you're like, oh, okay, never mind. Um, it's the close ups yeah. that really do it. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, I think it also depends on on whether you've seen the movies or not. Like, seeing, rea- uh, like reading some of the reactions and reviews mm-hmm. from people, uh, there were uh, uh, quite a few that had seen the movie. And while they praise it for the level of technology and how good they did it, you can still tell because of, yes, yeah, Silicon Valley and right. and that whole idea that's embedded into us from whatever used to hunt us and kill us. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if you talk to someone else who had never seen the movie, it didn't look that off to them. Like, I, I remember reading one review Well, because they weren't looking for it. Exactly. They only noticed, uh, like, Carrie Fisher at the end, which still looked really good. Yeah. They picked up only on Carrie I Fisher, which is a very, good. very small, small, minuscule amount. But Tarkin's in some longer scenes moving and, and talking and interacting, mm-hmm. and some people didn't pick up yep. on it. So it really depends if you're looking for it and you know that this guy has been dead for a few decades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of the creep factor. But me, I think you know? the bottom line with an effect like that is that it doesn't take me out of the story. And as long as it doesn't take me out of the story, I can look past it. 
Unless it's just glaringly yeah. bad, you know? Yeah, like, if it's like, you know, man. 80s or 90s, like, human animation, then it's like, ah, uh, you know. Right, right. Even, like, the the Matrix, you know, when you think about some of the CGI in there, oh, right. it just looks like a... Matrix Reloaded? Yeah, Dude, a textural blob. The fight yeah, in the playground, the fight it's like, just all, it's just, it looks like a it's, video they, game. Yeah, they all look like, you know, super soft blobs, and that that's very <laughs> distracting, yeah. Because you're like, okay, yeah. like I know we can do better, and you also, you know, the, the Wachowskis were given more money than God at that point, like for doing that movie, yeah. and that was what they came up. They with. rushed it. They're like in this yeah. one, I think the sacrifice in the model itself is solely coming from the fact that they're like, no, this is going to be Grand Moff Tarkin. Like they mm. they don't want it yeah. to. They're not like okay, we're we're just having like a CG, a generic CG model. You know, think of any video game that probably has like two to three character frames, right? And then like there's slight changes Variations in the face and stuff. And, yeah, yeah. They're like, no, this is going to be him. So they want it to be as accurate as possible. While I mean, it looks like, like understandably. It- it's, he it looks is like him. Cushing. <laughs> yeah, sacrificing. Yeah, they got like his that, that sliminess and everything. You know, that's, I'm curious that the, like CGI slime. Did they piece together? I don't know if you guys know this. Did they piece together his dialogue through like existing recordings, or was it a voice impressionist? Because it sounds like Peter Cushing. Like it's, that's it's, a great question. I'll, I'll just go look that yeah. up. You guys talk amongst, talk amongst yourselves. Yourself. Corey, say something fun. <laughs> oh, oh shit. I, I can't say anything fun when I'm told to. Oh, okay. <laughs> talk, talk, oh hey, why don't you guys talk what? about, you know, we, my two favorite characters were um, uh, K, K2SO, which Alan is oh my God, the lovable great. Alan yeah. Tudyk. And yes. uh, Chiru Imwi from yep. Donnie Yen. What did you guys think? Ooh, man, yeah. Uh, K2SO might be my favorite droid. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I really liked everybody in the movie. I thought Zhang Wen was really good as Baze. Um, Riz Ahmed was good as Bodhi. Diego Luna was really good as uh, Cassian. And and I like Felicity Jones' generous. Oh, my God, too. yeah. Like, I, I really liked everybody. But if I had to pick, it's K2 and, and then uh, Cheer It. Those are definitely, I, definitely I, I my favorite for characters. Acting, like, as much as I love Donnie Yen, because I feel like that's almost a given... Um, mm-hmm. it is probably going to have to be Forrest Whitaker because oh, I his his he performance was fantastic. So, yeah, yeah, he really like you can feel him. Um, yeah, he, he and you could you know that he he gives off the impression not just physically of course, uh, but just weariness. You know, like he's he's been through some shit. Yeah, and he's got that that paranoia of somebody who's been hunted. And uh, yeah. yes, exactly. It really That's gives it off is. the it gives off more just it's that extra touch of like the empire's unstoppable. There's nothing we can do. Well, you and know? <clears throat> what the, one of the things I think this movie does a really good job of is we get to see the Rebel Alliance before it's an alliance. You get to see all these yeah different when they're just factions like quote unquote terrorists, you know, freedom. Yeah, fighters they're basically like, like yeah, they're extremists. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and I thought I like his little that. gang was cool. Uh, yeah, you know what? I um, I like Donnie Yen the most, but as far as characters, I think Saw Gerrera might actually. You might be right about that, Corey. He is. Yeah, I, I feel like as like you know the the person that anyone would immediately draw to would be Donnie Yen, just because he's friggin' Donnie mm. Yen. <laughs> exactly. But like 
like actual what? acting, actual performance, it is really hard to beat Forrest Whitaker um, in anything. Because yeah, he like especially in this, like you said, there there is that paranoia. There is the the fact that they not only picked a guy who could act it out, but the just literally that um, that you know physical he thing that he had. Sure. Yeah, the gravitas, but like the yeah. half open eye thing. It he yeah. looks weary. Like yeah. they don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. They don't have to do makeup. Like in this role, <laughs> everything about him. Like, oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. But like he <laughs> is natural. He's got the um, uh, the odd haircut as well. Like the fro that kind of leans to yeah. one yeah. side. Like he, nothing is. Man, he's like right in the middle of like being trashy and being like very well kept. But he looks like someone who used to mm-hmm. be well kept, but can no longer do it. Yes, but they, and they're trying yeah. their hardest. I even like the fact that like his voice is it sounds like he's had like a throat injury or something. Yeah. Um you know, he he rasps very much like, you know, Jin, I can't believe it's been, you know, that kind of thing. And, <laughs> I can't um, believe it's not butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he um yeah, he I mean, like I said, the, the everyone in this movie they get so many great character actors that just crush it. Well, but he is um And speaking of Donnie yet Oh, sorry. No, you're good. Well, speaking of Donnie Yen, uh, beyond him just being a badass, I like what they did. They were doing with his character because mm-hmm. he was one of the guardians of the wills. I think. Yeah, he and, ba- and and that's base? like a reference yep. to the original Star Wars novel, like did George they... Lucas's original script. I'm sorry. Did they ever clarify uh, Baze Malvis, like his homeboy with the the like um, minigun? Is he one of the yeah. the guardians, or is he just a, like his bodyguard or whatever? Like, are they just buddies? I don't. Ba- know. Baze is a longtime companion and a one-time devoted guardian of uh, guardian of the wills, but oh. he became a rebel warrior and a mercenary. Okay, so he's like a disgrace, like a former. Okay, okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. So what I got from from this is that they're kind of like Jedi monks, not Jedi knights. Exactly. Like they were. They were never Jedi yeah. because they don't either have either exactly. they don't have the force control or, or whatever, but they're um they believe in a less direct so it, it it's kind of like, you know, the, the Buddhist way of approaching the force because Donnie Yen's character yes. is the one who like literally could feel the force around him as though it yeah. were like a flow. Um now if you want to like justify all of the bs that star wars has done over the years this fits in pretty well with um oh man uh the attack of the clones series at the very end um was that yeah it was qui-gon jinn when they went back uh and qui-gon jinn spoke um, because he was still part of the flow of the force so like what's odd is the the jedi and the sith um, they are two opposing sides, but there is a middle, and the middle is not necessarily the gray. The middle is just let the force be the fucking force. Stop trying to <laughs> take control. Yeah. Right. And that is essentially what uh, you know. Donnie Yen's character is is like the force is the force. You know, the force does guide me because he follows the force. He doesn't try to control it or manipulate it. You know, it's it's um, yeah, it's it's like a uh, luck. For um, shit, who was the character in Deadpool two? Um, whose superpower was oh luck? Domino? Yeah, Domino. 
like essentially <laughs> for for Donian's character, um, the force is luck. Like he doesn't always know how it works or how it's going to work, but he, he just trusts it. it. Yeah, yeah. So this movie does a couple really interesting things because it's one of the first Star Wars movies that doesn't focus on Jedi. There's like there's no lightsaber battles or anything, and I love that about it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it also very subtly builds on the mythology of the Jedi. Yes, because you got this ancient Jedi planet, and did you notice? So the Empire's mining kyber crystals. Kyber crystals are what the Jedi use to make their lightsabers. It's like sacred to them. Mm -hmm. But did you realize that the Empire is taking them and then building the Death Star out of them? No. I thought even worse. It's being used for the the It's like corrupting. No, it's being used for the the crystals are being used to power the energy beam. So they're literally firing the Jedi's like most sacred thing as a weapon to murder trillions of innocent people. Uh, it's like the ultimate. Like if you it's, didn't it's already like the, need, yeah. <laughs> it's like the ultimate perversion Sorry. of everything they ever stood for, and like really yeah. like rubbing the noses and like I almost feel like it's the Emperor and Vader's way of trying to like draw out the, like the Yodas and the Obi Wans. Like if, if they're still out there, this will get them. That makes sense. You know, yeah. um, just because it's such it like really is the ultimate dick move. Like you, they could conquer yeah. everything. Yeah. They already have conquered evil. everything without the Death Star. They don't need it. Yeah. They've never needed and it's it. Like, but they're like, hey, guess what? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Just... In the original movies, we always kind of took it for granted that the Galactic Empire was evil. Um, but this movie like really makes you feel it. Like you really get to see why, you know. A lot of a lot of behind the scenes. They pulled back the curtain and showed you a lot of what was going on. Yeah. And unlike in Battlestar Galactica with the plan, this actually was a good execution. <laughs> mm. Exactly. <laughs> so a couple things real real quick. Eric, you said uh K2SO is your favorite droid. I think so, yeah. It's uh it's him and maybe IG eleven right under there. No R2? R2's, I mean, you know, he's overdone. <laughs> I uh, like R2. Wow. Don't get but me wrong. See, keep in mind, yeah. I ignore three. I, <laughs> I, I, I've only seen he's three like of these maybe movies like twice, three, and I pretend four. they don't happen, so he's really only like four movies to me. <laughs> so it's not, when I see him, I'm like, hey, what's up, old friend? <laughs> I like IG-11, but one of my favorite ones, and I'm now looking forward to potentially seeing him again uh-huh. with the announcement of a remastered Knights of the Old Republic is HK-47. HK was cool. Oh, nice. I'm sorry. Is IG-11 yeah. the one from... I'm so glad that's coming out. Is IG-11 Tyka's... IG-11 is from yeah, Mando. He's, oh, dude. He's my favorite. He's yeah, he's, he's a lot of fun. Droid. He's great. But before was... IG eleven was HK forty seven. And there's of course IG eighty eight yeah. from Empire, who's on it for like a second and a half. He's in like a yeah, hot, he's hot in minute. one scene. Yeah. I no used lines. to know the names and like histories of all those people because I was so fascinated all by the droids. everything everything in Empire, but that one scene in particular, like who these are the dudes Vader calls when he wants someone taken out. Like who are these people? And uh yeah, it seemed like they all had to be pretty badass, right? Like, it couldn't just be Boba Fett and a bunch of turds. But you never see any of them ever again. <laughs> Boss yeah. looked cool, I remember. Yeah! Maybe, well, you know, they continue to expand. You know, who knows what will happen, you know, with uh, the return of Boba Fett and, uh, what is it, the yeah, book it of Boba out, Fett? Oh, I knew. Like three months, two months, something like that. 
I'm so, so who, psyched. Who knows what's going to happen with that? Uh, the other thing, real quick, to answer who voiced yes. uh, Tarkin, uh, it was the same guy who portrayed him was Guy Henry. He okay. was a physical portrayal in Rogue One, and he also well, voiced he did him a fantastic um, in Rogue job because he sounds he just did a like him. Yeah, wonderful job. he did. I wonder how long he had to practice for that, right? Maybe he. I mean, he might have been like me and one of those dudes that grew up watching like the old Hammer films all the time, so he knew. <laughs> from playing Dr. Frankenstein and Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. He's been practicing since, um, you know, Tarkin passed away. <laughs> Just one day. Computers <laughs> yeah, will get to where I believe they will, and I will voice this dead actor. <laughs> I will be ready. <laughs> so after after we end up on the uh, planet, we meet our um, our spiritual warriors, and we found, um, oh, God, who, who are we looking for? Forest Wh- White Walker. Saw Guerrera. Uh, Guerrera. There we White go. Walker. White Walker. Forest uh. White Walker. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do stuff like that a lot. I apologize. So no, you're good. they find Guerrera and and um, you know the the Death Star shows up and we're finally going oh shit this yeah. thing can actually travel faster than impulse speed <laughs> mm-hmm. and then. And then to see the destructive power of, of them like using this. the lowest setting yeah. possible. One, because, you know, plot plot hole, they had to let them escape, you know, escape yeah. the planet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but to, to see a planet slowly break apart the way that it was, that was mm-hmm. that was chilling and creepy the so i think that kind of comes back to this the the sense of scale here was nuts yeah i think Uh part of that comes back to uh less is sometimes better um yes because like when you see alderaan explode it's like that um it's like okay uh i had i didn't know like a water balloon yeah like i didn't have any friends so this doesn't really have as much gravity. i've never even seen what that planet looks like (laughs) yeah (laughs) You know, but then when you get to see that, it's like, no, you get to experience, um, you know, it, it's almost makes you like question the planet that you're currently standing on when you see just these I like, know, right? massive chunks of earth that just look like small boulders, but they're like the size of states, you yeah. know, rolling. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it just dwarfs everything. And yeah, there, there is like a, a magnanimity behind uh choosing to do the lowest setting um so for like the viewer you get to you get to feel it so much more um because mm-hmm. it's it's one it of those like, like a hydrogen bomb on steroids yeah you know it was like the czar bomba times 10 like yeah it was shooting things into the atmosphere it was nuts yeah oh, i love that effect too like the dirt going like geysers up oh, yeah. in space what they, what they say, you know, what happened when the asteroid hit the Earth and wiped out the dinosaurs of how much shit it threw up into the atmosphere and up into space. Yeah. And you're taking that amount of power from the Death Star and concentrating it into a tiny point. It's going to have a similar effect of what, what would happen when you hit, hit a planet with that much force. Mm-hmm. What's going to yeah. happen? So even though they didn't destroy the planet, they basically destroyed that planet because, like, there's going to be a nuclear winner there. They made it uninhabitable. Yeah. yeah. If the core doesn't just go unstable. Yeah, exactly. I'll say after I did see the um the prequels, I did you know, and then you see um episode four, I do feel bad now when when the planet's destroyed because now I knew Jimmy Smith. <laughs> and now I feel bad. So they uh, they narrowly escape those wonderful little uh rebels and then we end up uh looking for 
Jin's Jin's daddy because this is a movie not necessarily about daddy issues, but it's got daddy issues. <laughs> well, all Star Wars movies are have every daddy Star issues. Wars. What? Yeah. Wait, I mean, that could be spoilers. Don't say anything. The original trilogy is <laughs> all about daddy issues, <laughs> daddy and father figure issues. And then the uh, the new the new trilogy is about like nothing and everything at the same time, but part nine is about granddaddy issues <laughs> it's, i was about to say <laughs> the creepiest unlimited oh, granddaddy issues <laughs> oh man <laughs> they're so mad Corey's having flashbacks yeah we're not talking about that movie Corey. it's okay they can't hurt you anymore <laughs> it's like I, I, that uh episode nine was definitely like Let that the south park episode of you. um kingdom of the crystal skull i know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and really i haven't watched kingdom of the crystal skull in forever i'm sure yeah. we'll tear that apart at some point yeah. mm-hmm. coming soon to a season of podcasters assembly i hope so that'll be fun because you got two and a half good movies and then that one basically Anywho, so Jin goes, she finds her daddy, and then daddy dies. Yeah, that was a bummer. Yeah. Boop. That was yeah. Like, yeah. Stardust. Eh. <laughs> but we did we did find out that for the past fifth what is it, fifteen years goes by from like when her dad disappears and until she finds him again that he's been secretly working for the Empire, you know, working but reluctantly and also sabotaging them. I love so that. he's the one yes. he's the one yes. who put in the uh the air duct that's big enough to throw a womp rat down so it'll explode a Death Star. <laughs> okay, so one of the something that I, I kind of it's like it's like a like and a dislike, um, but uh-huh. I I almost feel like because the common thing that happens, you know, every Death Star essentially gets blown up the exact same way as the previous, like all of the Death Stars, and then yeah. you're just like, dude, there's more like, than two. <laughs> mm. Well, remember the second one wasn't um, the there's second one wasn't finished. No, no, no. The second Death Star wasn't finished, so they could get inside of it. They just had to get the shields down. The first one they, just it was into in, the core. unbeatable. If it hadn't been for the revisionist history of Galen Urso originally it was just like no they just left this hole in because they're fucking stupid but um, yeah, with well, this and it then makes like the, the Empire less bumbly because it's like no this guy hated them and they're evil and what they're making him do so much he risked his life and everyone who worked with them's lives so that he could build a flaw in on the hope that he could get this information out there and someone would be pissed off enough as he was to be like hey and drop a bomb in there um, and real quick, uh, appropriate or nothing, he, he has that line about, I used to bullseye womp rats like my T-52 or whatever. Like, how bored is this kid when he's out just shooting animals from a distance? <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, well, clearly Fida doesn't exist on, on Tatooine. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe womp rats are like a capybara in Central and South Florida. Or the, maybe they're dangerous. Who knows? But it's the way he just offhanded, like, oh, I used to murder those things all the time. It always made me laugh. <laughs> it was a good time a real knee slapper he's like looking at the guy like come on man he's like ah oh, that's nothing <laughs> yo this is Corey with the world is my burrito podcast aka twimby a personal project where i educate my listeners as i dive into various pop culture topics that alter the world around them yet somehow fell to the wayside do you know who almost single-handedly created the manga industry of today Which major world event changed the horror film industry as a whole? 
How did comics affect the world's perception of nuclear energy? Journey with me to learn some random stuff. Uh, but no, I loved I, the the idea that not only the like I mentioned that the whole point of the movie was them going after the Death Star plans. I thought that was brilliant, but explaining that flaw in the machine, um, it just it tied up like one of the biggest. I won't, I don't know if I'll say plot holes, but like head scratchers in the history of film. Like, why was that does, there? Why? Who would it put does, that there? Yeah, it makes it makes the Empire look far more imposing. I mean, this, yes. the. The stormtroopers still can't shoot worth a shit, but and their armor does empire... their armor does nothing. Their armor does nothing. They all die from oh, one God. shot from a laser blast, just like everybody if you're shirtless has the exact same protection as their armor does. I think there was a reference to that in solo, but I can't remember. Like something about cheap armor or something. I don't know. That, I like I how think... Krennic can take a shot, but the stormtrooper can't. Right? Yeah. I, I feel His like that's even armor. That's mentioned in the books or comics um because uh let's see where well, they, they like have to mass so produce i think the only ones or... yeah i think the the only soldiers that had um decent armor acceptable armor were the fet clones but then once they had to start stealing children yeah. um and like they used normal <laughs> people that was when and they recruiting were, people yeah. yeah they they were producing uh, cheaper stuff because they went they, cheap. Yeah, they couldn't afford yeah. it anymore. You've got like billions and billions of soldiers. Well, and it kind of makes sense because they had already won at that point. Yeah, and so and the, yeah, making that they the knew. citizens themselves the police is kind of like how they maintained control from that point. Mm -hmm. Just like in real life. I think it was more of you know <laughs> continuing to look imposing because you've got everybody in uniform as opposed to a bunch of people not in uniform. Just yeah. all an entire yeah. army all dressed the same is far more imposing than a bunch of individuals standing in a group. Just visually, just that, like, oh totally. Those those suits and it's like that, the zombie thing. It was just mm -hmm. funny that those one suits isn't threatening offer the same for like a whole bunch. Exactly, but like those suits literally offer the same protection as if they all wore black shirts and black pants. You know what I mean? Like. And maybe they offer protection against like elements and atmospheres, which makes sense. I mean, that would be like a perfectly rational reason to wear them. Um, yeah, knives maybe, but not really because like, how many times have you seen <laughs> them get like, yeah, stabbed in the chest or like they get hit so hard like their helmet explodes? Like, it happens all the time. Um, <laughs> That's true. I don't know. Ewoks so, took him down. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm God, sorry. Yes. I don't. I didn't yeah, mean to go down this rabbit hole. So uh, after that, Jin and her team, you know, they, they meet up with the rebel fleet. We find out the rebel fleet doesn't necessarily want to go and get the uh, the plans for the Death Star. So they take off as Rogue One, the the actual name of the movie. And for me, like I've enjoyed the movie so far. I think Act 3 is where this movie shines. I think this is where the yes. whole thing comes together. Uh, you know, nothing from Act 1 and 2. I think it's good setup. I think it's good character development. But for me, Act 3, it's everything. I think they do a great job of for a culmination. Yeah. And uh, looking at it right now, um, Mads Mikkelsen dies like basically right at the halfway point of the movie. It, it's like a mid... Like, two yeah. to three minutes after the halfway point. 
you know, and, and when I was rewatching it and I got to that point and then I went, oh, man, they've only got to go here and get the, uh, you know, get the plans, do this and that. All right. That's that's only like, I don't know, like 25 minutes, half hour. Like, Jesus. Yeah. No, that's half the goddamn movie. Holy crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we came to see. Yeah. I'm, I wasn't complaining. I was happily surprised. I love that whole sequence. Definitely. On the, that, like that, the way they created that space. Scarif. Shield. Yeah. The shields they had were cool. The whole. De- and then yeah. again, you give Design me some tan amazing. stormtroopers. Those like word. <laughs> <laughs> they got the, the, uh, <laughs> yes. the at walkers. That was awesome. And then you get mm-hmm. X-Wings mixed in there. And then like the, what they call it? The Corvette. There were some prototype like TIE fighters as well. Yeah. There was yeah. a lot of cool Did shit going that? on there. there was like, and they were, yeah. I don't, I can't recall ever seeing a star Wars movie where they're fighting, like where palm trees are visible. I thought that was pretty sweet. Yeah. It's this, like planet yeah. Caribbean. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. It looks amazing. <laughs> it, I want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> they did. I really, they did a great job of dog fighting in that one, which yeah. was, which was also great because it wasn't in space. We were now in an atmosphere and dog fighting yeah. and, and keeping it, yep. keeping, we which always makes a little bit more sense. We've always seen those fights from the sky, from the cockpit of a Skywalker or a Kenobi or something like that, or maybe a solo. But in this case, it was from the ground. And so you got people like literally you're on yeah. the foot. The camera's on Gritty. foot with these guys. And you got these freaking 15 story robots shooting rockets at you. And then this jet flies. <laughs> and like if something gets shot down, like there's a very real possibility it's going to crash on top of you. Yeah. Um, and it just it also made like every time they'd have one of those shots where you'd see how pinned down they were. It's like, dude, are they're like, are they cloning these stormtroopers here? Like, are they still cloning? There's so freaking many. Um so yeah, like you said, you know, like zombies when the, it's just a matter of numbers. Um, but yeah, I, I, that whole sequence I thought was really brilliant. Just um, and K 2s aborted attempt to try to sneak them in, where he's just like, ah, fuck it, <laughs> just like bashes the crap out of that guy. <laughs> each um, each character right. like really had a moment to shine yeah. during Act Three. Like at one, mm-hmm. point, like every yeah. one of them had had a nice little moment. I mean, and just how everything went, they were able to get in complete the mission it, it granted it was being a suicide mission nobody expected to get out you're assaulting a yeah. planet it's not gonna uh-huh. work um but luckily they're they're able to get get the um you know the plans out and then the death star shows up again and then you know yeah again one, one minimal power let's blow up our own our own planet again which is so it makes the empire look like such assholes but yet yeah, they're so cause dangerous because like, their are own blo- guys are they killing in that? They don't. They don't care. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. we're gonna take them all out. It's Thanos. Rain fire down on my yeah. own people. I don't care. Yeah. I I can, I would have preferred one. The one thing I might have changed is when Jin and Krennic have their showdown up on the where she's trying to get out on the catwalk. Um, I I don't hate that. Uh, Cassian shows up. I, mean, I like that you know you get a little bit more with him because I like his character. But I think it would have been mm-hmm. cool if mm-hmm. Jin like sh- you know got shot him again or something. Did it? Got the message out, yep. and then he has to sit on the edge of that catwalk. And maybe he does. Maybe I'm misremembering. And watch as the Death Star is about to kill him and everything he's been working for. He's you know, yeah taken I mean, out by his does, own creation. I can't looks, remember if he sees it or if he's already fully dead. He does. Okay, all right. He, well, then, no, never mind. I wouldn't change anything. He looks up. I, he looks up and I swear he he sees it and he knows what's happening. Yeah, because he's, he's like, already oh, had shit. his run-ins with Tarkin. He had his run-in earlier with Vader, and he knows what that means that the death that the oh. Death Star has shown up here. 
So he he knows it's coming. So we get two scenes with Vader in this movie, and we'll get to the second one. Yes. Uh, but the yeah, first exa- one... Well, that's yeah, what I was hold off on that second I one. I hear a lot yeah, of people complain about it. it. Like, it's cheesy. I thought it was awesome. I really did. I love the fact that he, like, makes him bow. Um, or, like, you know, get down... He just, like, kind of lowers him by using, like, the pressure of his power. You're, 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 yeah, we're going back a little bit for, for when... Um, when Krennic was first uh, summoned by Vader, and Vader's pretty much putting him back in his place. Yeah, he's thre- he's essentially threatening about. him and and telling him like, yeah. you know, you got to get this shit wrapped up the way it should be, or, or you know, you're really oh, yeah, he, he, does, he force chokes him and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. but everybody, I hear people <laughs> complain about his don't do not careful. choke on your yeah. aspirations. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations, Doctor. Like, I thought that was kind of. I mean, it's not you know, Anakin's Anakin's never been a cool guy. He's been like, yippee, thank you very much, prequels. Yeah, can't, can't mm-hmm. take it back. It's already out there. They ruined the character forever. But <laughs> they... I will say one of the really cool aspects of this whole sequence is where it takes place. Did you guys notice this? He has a fortress on Mustafar, the place where he became Vader. Yeah. I thought that was that such was a nice I don't think fortress. I caught that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've got a... Yeah. It's in the comics and stuff, too, where... Um, Essentially, like, uh, he he was sent. He's just back hibernating to in a back to tank. like relearn. Um, uh, oh god, what was the context? I think this was when Vader was trying to find Sky uh, Luke in the comics. Yeah. Um. So this is there. There was a series in between uh, episodes four and five. Well, this would have been before then. So I wonder if the series was the one between three and four. There's I a definitely few read it where like <laughs> he essentially he sends Vader back to Mustafar for something um, and Vader ends up making it like his own private base because yeah. he has dominated the thing that turned him into what he is. Yes. It's, it's a big middle it's finger very much to like a, fate. Yeah, it's definitely a, a Vader move. Like he. Yeah. That's the kind of shit he would do all the time. <laughs> you know, he. Um, uh, he, you know, they, the the thing that the prequels really should have done is set him up as like reaffirmed, like yes, this is the greatest villain in horror in, in movie history, and make him like a real dangerous dude. Instead, they just cut his balls right off his body, um, and this is the first step, really the only step they've been able to take towards putting him back to what he should be. And we'll get to it, but that last time we see him in this movie, really, I thought. You know, that's the, the Vader the in comics. He's carving the, the final up might one as is well the one have that, been yeah. the prequel movies because it was like, yeah, he was just cutting that shit to pieces. Like, nope, 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 nope. But in in the original films, like he couldn't move. Yeah, like physically, yeah, in the, the outfit, suit was he could and, not move. Yeah. So they they had to do these kind of lame things because, like, I remember the first um, within like the first issue of the what is it. 15, 16 Darth Vader comic. Um, like he was already more badass in that first issue than in the entire film series. But on, on a, in a drawing, you can move. Yeah. Like there is nothing limiting you from moving. So it's like, I felt really bad. Cause I, I'm the same way where it's like, you know, if there's, if there's one thing that like, I wish they could change, you know, go back in time and change. It's give this guy a fucking lighter outfit um, 
but you know there was no sword training i mean these guys were just like banging yeah uh yeah they they were essentially just kids banging the um paper towel rollers well, together by the time you he know? gets to empire though i thought they did a pretty good job of making him imposing and then in jedi like he's pretty scary until luke goes like i'm scarier than you bitch um but i thought that that you know really he for a long time was coasting by on the reputation just kind of that people loved those his, his personality well yeah it, it was his own personality as well as everyone's fear yeah um, so yeah he didn't they had need the capacity, to yeah, yeah. I remember, like, well, and it, that Empire, was the thing he could just like, show you, up, and his presence would right, be enough. An Empire you know? when he he's <laughs> yeah. on Cloud City and Han tries to shoot him, and he just puts his hand up, and the bullet or the I laser love ricochets that. off, yeah. and then he's like, "Take him away," <laughs> you know. And then uh, Lando's like, "Oh, we had this agreement," and he's like, "I'm changing the agreement." Play, you know, pray I don't change it for Yeah, and just strolls off like a badass, and you're like, "Dude, I'm fucking terrified of this guy." Like, he doesn't have to do anything, like you said, and they did a great job with that. But now that they're at a point where they can make him do stuff. Um, I thought this movie did a great job of like reestablishing. Yeah. The, the terror that is Darth Vader. So the plans are able to get up to the rebel fleet right before they go to hyperspace. They were literal tapes. tapes. Yeah. <laughs> Here, take them. <laughs> I did like that fact. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right before they're able to jump to hyperspace, Vader shows up with his star destroyer. And, and this, I had a lot of, I shouldn't say favorite parts. There was a lot of parts of this movie I liked. This part I liked. I think it's my favorite part when Vader boards the Rebel command ship. Yes. And yeah. this is what you were referencing, Chris, of this is the Vader that we miss. We've seen in video games. They, they hinted at in the originals. You know, you got the feeling like, I bet that's what he could be. These, This whole scene did two things for me. One, it... It made me fearful again of Vader, and two, yes. it made me uh, respect the the rebels that much more because yes. they knew <laughs> what was happening, they knew what was coming, and they knew they couldn't do shit, but yeah. they didn't care. They said, mm-hmm. "F it, we're gonna, we're just, we're dead, we're dying, but this is our last stand," and. What unfolded was a was a massacre. But I mean, I don't know if I could do that, knowing what was coming down the hallway to be like, yeah, sure, I'll face it. I'd be trying to throw everybody out of the way to break that damn door down. <laughs> but no, the it, guy who reaches dude. through with his arm to hand yeah. the, yes. the tapes. Oh God, yeah, it's and such just, a brilliant. The guy moment. runs through the bulk and he just launch. You know, like get us the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. It, it's so that yeah. whole bit where they're in that dark room and then you just hear the breathing and then the only yep. source of light mm-hmm. is the red lightsaber and it's so freaking imposing and, mm-hmm. and intimidating yeah. and then just his methodical and he's never hurried but he's not slow methodical yeah. butchering of these dudes just because, like, he it doesn't strike me that he's ever he in a rush. He tears through the whole platoon. Yeah, he's he with, doesn't strike like, me as no a guy sweat. that's ever in a rush. Like, because he's not really that worried about anything. You know, what's the worst that's yeah, going to happen yeah. to him? His master's going to kill him? Like, oh, don't give me my fondest <laughs> wish. You know, like, 
<laughs> yeah. You know, uh, so, so he seems that, like th- almost like pissed, like because he's inconvenienced that he had to like come yeah. out and do this shit. Yeah, like he's like, exactly. okay, fine. Like, come on, this isn't worth you know? my time. I was getting a nice tan of Mustafar. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> damn rebels. So he he just slices through them. We uh, the the tapes get get on board. Uh, we see Princess Leia again. The the CGI. You could tell because we knew what Carrie Fisher looked like at that age. I don't think it looked awful. I no. think it looked decent. That for doesn't the time. bother me at all. Yeah, I think that was like kind of a needed moment too. You know. Well, yeah, nice little hand. I mean, you you would know that somehow it would get to Leia, but this sets up exactly where it is in the timeline. Yep, exactly. And it does it so well. I mean, it adds mm-hmm. so much to. Everything that happens at the beginning of the fourth one, like I talked about, or the original, um, and it, it, you know, you get the feeling that the people on Leia's ship, even as they're escaping at the end of Rogue One, they're like, "We're so screwed, we're so screwed," and then I get, you know, you don't see it, but it's almost like Leia goes around or gives the order, uh, you know, if the, if the odds are that we're boarded, you know, pretend we were never there or something to that effect, because um, that's mm-hmm. definitely what she does. She's like, "Oh, I have no, I have no idea what you're talking about," you know. It's like it's like she, her face is covered in chocolate, and he's like, "Who ate my cookies?" And she's like, "Oh, that's a good question. I, no, I, like, I don't do it." I think think the emperor did it. Go talk to him. I think the, the reason I think more than anything why I dug this from like a um, this movie from like its place in the overall lore is because ever since the original three came out, everything that's been released, in my opinion, has gone to detract from the original trilogy, including the special editions, including the prequels and to a lesser degree, the sequels. Um, they, you know, in a lot of ways, I don't know about the sequels detracting, but other than the fact that the, uh, their victory the at the end of return of the Jedi is completely, you know, null nullified by the part nine, but, uh, it means, that, <laughs> yeah. it means that Vader the, and the Luke both conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, the, I think the biggest issue that the franchise has had, and like I, I don't shit on episode one like quite as much as most people do, but quantifying the force, yeah, yeah, um, in, an in like a measurable unit was like okay, like you you have taken the mystery, um, it's the DBZ thing where it's like you know oh his power levels over nine thousand and like that's <laughs> funny once. Yeah. But I think even in the Frieza saga, like yep. they bring up power levels, they it. and we're just like, "What does this fucking number mean?" Yeah. And then after <laughs> that, they're done because it just doesn't matter, you know? They because they're like, you know, yeah, this was dumb to begin with. Like these numbers have no barring. But then Star Wars kind of went in the reverse order of like, we're not going to measure it, and then we're going to measure it. Oh shit! I actually <laughs> don't want to do math. Yeah. So, you know, we're just going to say that it is the force from here on out. You know, that was that was really a big problem. So one definitely injured the franchise by being like, no, it's quantifiable. You can count force units. One of the things and we kind of skipped over this, but one thing I really appreciate about this and I, I've kind of mentioned this before is that all the connections to the original movie. One of the main things visually was the Star Destroyers. Yeah. Um, yep. mm-hmm. And I've talked about this to death back on the Podcasters Assemble episodes. You love the Star Destroyers. The Star Destroyer design is so awesome. It's such a perfect, like, iconic look. And they really lean into that. Like, this is the original design of these ships. 
and the way they they sh- like the way they show them yeah the the way the death star's shadow eclipses the ships and it, you really get a sense of like scale these things are big you get a sense that of scale. thing's way bigger but yeah just like exactly the scale and then the scene where they they crash into each other it's so realistic looking and it's mm-hmm. i don't know I, I loved that i think that they were really smart in a number of reasons and some of which we've already discussed to set this movie when they did but maybe the smartest reason was yeah they were able to get all of the nostalgia hits that the sequels so desperately went out of their way to get to without stretching because all the vehicles, yeah, they did it subtly. Everything that they were using was the stuff everybody remembered, right? You've got mm-hmm. star destroyers, X wings, tie fighters, the death star, stormtroopers, aliens, and, and fights like, you know, you even have Darth Vader, you know, like it's it's everything. Yeah. It, it, you have Grand Moff Tarkin. You have Leia. Like it's everything that that kind of like all those the sweet hits off the nostalgia pipe without having to be like let's write our movie <laughs> around ways to introduce this stuff because all they have to do is be like well how do they get from point A to point B well at this point it would be a Star Destroyer awesome you know like it's uh it was really smart I, I and I think because they're not constantly have to reach to bring stuff like that to the hey and eh, eh, a little like nudge you with the elbow um they're able to do more and give us like spins and new treatments on those things like like we mentioned with the death troopers and the all the different stormtroopers and stuff like that and the prototype tie fighters and um it was just i don't know it was just so cool and even at the end when they have um uh the bit with leia's ship like those guys are all dressed in those goofy helmets and um it looks all retro. I just, oh, yeah. I love this. I just loved it. I loved it. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. It feels natural, though, I guess, because the way the movie presents it. Yeah, it know? never mm-hmm. made sense in episode three because the prequels are so shiny and the technology is so crazy. And then by the end of episode yeah. three, they're in like this junker and it's like all of a sudden it looks like the old Star Wars. Like they went back 150 uh, years. The war. But that doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's just like they threw it in at the end like, oh, shit, these are supposed to match. Oh, we were fucking around for seven hours. Oh, my God. Throw some crap yeah. at the wall at the very end. No, you know, it's just <laughs> it's what happens. Let's hope when it sticks. You give control to someone who doesn't know how to make movies when other people aren't fixing all those messes. That's a whole another conversation. But two things: one, I think, um, I think Eric has has such a thing for Star Destroyers because he actually has a uh, um, a attraction to triangles because he's been going gaga <laughs> over all the um, triangles <laughs> flying through the sky with the navy. So That's just let true. that sink in, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Is your favorite song Triangle Man? <laughs> uh, ov- overall, uh, what did you guys think of Rogue One? I'm not asking where it, where it sits in your ranking, but where you, uh, what was your takeaway from the movie? I really liked it. Really liked it a lot. So I, uh, I also really liked it, but... Um, I felt like it was pretty low hanging fruit, but I felt like that was a good safe decision Mm -hmm. uh, because this is nothing but guerrilla warfare. Um, I I told people like, as soon as I left the movie, you know, when I was asked that question, I was like, Gundam ate the the MS team does it better, but this is good for, you know, a two hour movie to do like guerrilla warfare and to try to connect you with, you know, these characters that you only get to know for two hours um, because this is a very like you know Vietnam Korea war film like that's all it is just you know in space. Um, but yeah, no, this was it's it is enjoyable. 
It's an easy rewatch. I always wanted to see like a Dirty Dozen movie in Star Wars, like in an Imperial prison with like some dudes. Oh, like a heist movie? No, the Dirty Dozens, the guys that the World War Two, they're at the prison camp and they have to tunnel out. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was thinking. You mean Hogan's Heroes? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll watch Hogan's Heroes of Star Wars 2. That would be interesting. I guess this was kind of like that in a way. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Eric and Zach, what did you guys think? So, Eric, yeah. So, I mean, if it's not already obvious, I loved this movie. I, I thought it was great. Um, everything you guys said and more, you know. <laughs> it just really worked for me. Zach? I I really liked it. I thought this was a good adaptation of Saving Private Ryan in space. Yeah, that's a good point. That's good. It's like a that. good way to put it, yeah. I think they did a phenomenal job with it. Um, yeah. I will. I had no problem going back and sitting down and and watching this. I really, really enjoyed it, and I think it it has a purpose in the Star Star Wars universe. Yes, uh, you guys are aware. It has actual that, um, stakes. the The next yes. few Disney Plus Star Wars series, of course, we got Boba Fett, The Mandalorian, and and um, Obi Wan, but they're also, I think. If I'm not mistaken, before Obi Wan is a Cassian Andor prequel series to this. That's right. So it's yep. like Cassian and K nice. two. Um, so we'll get some more of at least those characters. I doubt we'll see anybody else from this film, but uh, at least those two. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense if anyone else showed up. In no, because they, they just met to, exactly, <laughs> and they didn't exactly survive. Speaking this one. of other other characters, um, did any of you guys ever watch the uh, the animated series Rebels, Star Wars Rebels? I have not. Um, I have I've been read the watching comics. it. I'm about halfway through. Uh, the kids are really into it. So yeah, I have not. I have it. not watched them. I was a big fan of the Clone Wars, both the um, uh, the draw hand drawn animation that they did, like the one? two the hand drawn yes, that one was was legit. Those ones were great. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love those ones. Those are definitely more adult themed. But the the CGI animation I did like and followed that as well, which Rebels kind of follows suit. And in Rogue One, there's actually two cameos of two of the characters. Well, oh, cool. one and a half cameos. You have Chopper <laughs> has a cameo. Uh, he he's a little right. um, he's a little droid who's um, who's with the Rebel Force. And then also while they're at the Rebel base, uh, Hera Sandula, she's actually a Twi'lek mm-hmm. who pilots the main Ghost. She doesn't appear in the movie, but you hear a General Sindula is summoned to the briefing room. So since Chopper is there from mm. the ship, you would think that Hera is also there as well, who is a general probably at that point. So that that's a fun little Easter, Easter egg that they worked into it because this came out, I think, a year after the Rebel show started. I forget. Yeah, so, it was pretty early on. I, I know this say. isn't what we're talking about, but real quick, my like all-time favorite Star Wars thing ever um, because... Growing up, Luke was my favorite character by like a hundred miles. Was the last episode we saw of The Mandalorian? Um, oh my god! Yeah. I mean, yep. that's actually really appropriate. Don't though, because... think I've ever nerded out harder in my entire life than when that X-wing showed up. But um, the reason I bring it up is we talked a lot about the Vader hallway scene. Have, have you guys seen that video where yes. they played them like at the same time? And yeah, it's the no, same thing, like, isn't it? Luke, same time, no. Luke, when Luke gets into like his fighting mode, he fights exactly like Vader. I mean, it's like almost a mirror. Yeah. It's all aggression and and uh, and and precision. He kills the shit out of stuff really quickly, and it looks like he's using a lot of anger. And then he has to like 
that's when like a lot of times he'll kind of back up for a second and use the force to like throw stuff around. Whereas before he's just been yeah. walking right through everything. And I, in my mind it's cause he's like, all right, calm down, Luke, calm down. Um, you know, I got the blood yeah. last pop. Don't give into um, that dark side. But it's really, really yeah. something when you see that, that playing them side by side, I assume that was intentional, but it was really cool. Oh, it had to have been. Yeah. The choreography was perfect on that. It's pretty awesome. Well, we've gone through we've gone through Rogue One. Here we are at the at the end. So there's eleven movies in the Star Wars movie continuum that are allowed to exist. Uh, you've got all nine of the Skywalker saga. We've got Rogue One, and we have Solo. What are your top three favorites? Who wants to start? All right, good job. Uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll go first because I, I I probably won't have like the most uh, um, devout uh, top three, but I like in no particular order. It's probably going to be I don't know uh, one, three, and four. Like I, you know, again, people give one a lot of shit, but like I fucking love. Liam Neeson's Qui-Gon Jinn. I yeah, he love is cool. Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi. I love uh, Darth Maul. Ray Park's Darth Maul. Like, they're, they're such impactful characters, and like their presence is felt throughout the rest of the entire universe. Um, and then episode three, like, ah, General Grievous, man. Like, I, I liked a lot of the scenes that they did. That movie was fairly adventurous without being as adventurous, like almost unnecessarily adventurous as episode one was, um, which was also kind of what I liked. Uh, you know, my, my go-to for episode one is you go to more places in episode one than you do in like all of the other episodes combined. Um, it's really intriguing to see the world um, because then everything else, it takes place in like two to three locations. You know, and even in this movie, it's like aside from the intro, it's like three locations, right? So there's not really like a ton of complexity in there. It's just trying to make the individual location complex. And then for like it, it is simple. I love the simplicity of episode four. And then especially learning that it is essentially like the, the plot um, was lifted from Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress. It's literally Hidden um, Fortress, and there's a World War II fighter pilot movie that is like spliced in there too. So it's like this really because yeah. that's like Lucas's big obsessions were like the the Japanese cinema, um, or at least at the mm-hmm. time, and World War II, which he's always been obsessed with, but particularly fighter pilots and jets of that of the 40s and 30s. Like he's obsessed with that stuff. So there's actually shots, especially in the space battles, that are literally lifted from the god help me i can't remember the name of the movie but uh just the technology is so different. was it the japanese world war ii film i don't think so or was it just a generic it, i think it was an american because like he likes the american fighter okay. jets um but I, okay. I don't i couldn't tell you obviously i can't remember the name of it yeah and it, it still it comes down to um and uh eric you know cesar yeah yeah he's good <laughs> he's great people Cesar, one of the things that he pointed out, and again, it's probably why I inherently resonate with it, is that in episode four, because it is the first movie ever, things are said and you just have to fucking accept it. 
when he talks, <laughs> yeah. you know, your father died in the Clone Wars. And it's like, what the fuck are the Clone Wars? Yeah. Right. You know, Luke looks <laughs> There's right a lot of cool into an eye. Yeah, he, he looks right into a lightsaber. And, you know, I don't know if y'all have ever seen the meme, but my favorite thing That's is right. when he's looking in the lightsaber, someone yeah. took a, a still and it's Obi-Wan looking at him and Obi-Wan saying, turn it on, you little shit. <laughs> have you um, seen that one of the, um, in episode three, when, when Anakin's killing the younglings, where... Um, there's one of the kids like in the background is holding the lightsaber like against his own chest. And it's not like he's, <laughs> he's like, I think he's just like, Duh. he's not like, you know, he's, but it's going to do himself. Like, yeah. The meme is like when some dark Sith Lord starts doing away with your friends and you're going out on your own terms. <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> I, yeah. Mark Hamill actually retweeted that meme that you were talking about, Corey. <laughs> and he, he did that, I think about a month ago. He's like, I totally don't remember doing this. <laughs> <laughs> he does not remember that is that is very rewarding when you get at yeah, his face i love mark hamill everybody does oh, he's a, lack of god if you if you do not follow mark hamill on twitter i do it's, i mean you besides see, all his he just tweeted out mark hamill and it got like a billion likes <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah Sorry, Corey, you, were you done with episode four? Jim? No, yeah, yeah. It's it's the simplicity. The fact that nothing means anything. The force has the force has no establishment. You don't even know what that means. And yeah. by the end of the movie, you Blonde still mystery. have no damn idea what that means. Um, so there is this like mystery to it that you know, it, it's almost like if that were the only Star Wars movie ever, I, I might even love it more. Yeah. Um because it's just never expounded upon. And the, there's this like beautiful, non-confusing mystery, mind you. They do everything so well. And I don't, I feel like that was probably an accident. It's because it's edited. It's because it's edited by like, the greatest editors on earth. Um, it's, it, no, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Like, pre, so before they had their final pass like, on editing, like Fox didn't want to release this because it was so bad. And they went through and recut yeah, it and moved some stuff like, around and recut it and recut it and recut it. And, and came up with what they got. It's so fascinating because, like, yeah, that movie, like, almost didn't work. But be, between the music by John Williams yeah, that was and the a editing, big part of it. they completely saved this movie in the, in the you know, in, in post-production. And then they hired an it, actual director. It's really incredible. Five. Yeah, exactly. It's really <laughs> quite incredible that Star Wars became the phenomenon that it is, considering how many problems there were behind the scenes well the special effects team also like those dudes went insane they worked like 30 oh they did great they worked yeah. like 36 hours a day you know it, it is insane how much they did to make that work with the miniatures and creating techniques and creating camera techniques and stuff i mean it was insane chris what'd you think yeah i i think um the third part, my, my third one is always tough because that's the one that probably changes the most. Yeah. I would say Empire is definitely <laughs> my favorite. Um, I'd probably put Jedi ahead of Star Wars for a couple small reasons. And I would put, I'd probably put Rogue One at number three, actually. Um, and not to crap on Star Wars at all. I mean, that's like one of the greatest movies ever made. But Empire and Jedi were just able to build on it. You know, they don't, they're, they're nothing if you just watch those. Like, everything is dependent upon Star Wars. Uh, or, excuse me, New Hope. I, I always just call it Star Wars. <laughs> but they, uh, like, I mean, Empire takes everything that they they set up and pays it off, or, or at least expo- expands upon it. Um, it's, in my opinion, the best written one and the best acted one. 
um, at least of the movies up until maybe the modern era. I, I feel like it introduces a lot of interesting new technology aspects of both the Rebels and the Force. Uh, excuse me, the Rebels and the Empire. Uh, obviously, we learn a lot more about the Force. It introduces Yoda. You have the cool Hoths. I mean, it's just everything about Empire is great. I, you know, I don't need to expand upon it. But um, I think the reason I would put Jedi above Star Wars is just... Um, one, I love the the cold open with Jabba. I don't love that it's like they kind of reset everything at the end of from the end of Empire, but it's adventurous and just fun enough. It's funny, it's entertaining, it's never boring, and the Vader Luke Emperor confrontation is is like movie history. Like that's legendary, you know. Um, Rogue One, I think, because it just for it just kind of speaks to the type of movies I like as far as uh, you know action movies and war movies and sci fi movies. It kind of is a perfect blend of all the things I like about all three of those genres, um, and it's just obviously it's not as you know, Star Wars. It, it can't help it, but it's a kind of a victim of um, just when it was made at times, especially especially the Vader uh, Obi Wan fight. And it's too bad that they, they went with them just like, you know, a bl- a guy who couldn't see and an old man just like clapping sticks together. Um, I thought it would have been a lot cooler if they tried to like do a force battle or like use like a force of wills kind of thing. You know, like if they just like join swords like in a, a, a square off and just like try to kill each other with their minds. Um, there, there was ways to get around having that be the final product. It's just hard to get around for me. Um, and, and because I can't watch the original because Fox was assholes and now Disney's assholes about it. Um, I, the, <laughs> yeah. the special edition One has day. some things in it that just irked the crap out of me and I can't get past it. So it's a little hard for me to rewatch. So I would put rogue one and Jedi ahead of star Wars at this point. And then, uh, I've made it very clear how I feel about the prequels. <laughs> um, I liked episode seven. Okay. But it's just because it was like, Hey, remember those things you liked? Um, but I didn't love episode eight or nine. Um, I thought eight was significantly better than nine, but I didn't love either one of those either. And solo, eh, I could do. Without. I really appreciate eight a lot more than most people. I think. I, it, I, and solo didn't bother me. I like some things about best, eight, but, but there's some things in there I really yeah. don't like. There's one specific thing I don't like about eight. I, I, I yeah. I'm pretty sure I've told this to Eric. I want to see a. a, a I want to see eight sequel, not nine. Oh, yeah. Well, and look, I didn't. Yeah, they didn't really pay off. That's the problem. Because, like, I want to see the sequel to the eight that we got. Because I think that would be an amazing movie. That's how I felt about eight, though. I wanted to see a sequel to seven. And, you know, I agree. <laughs> if you let Ryan Johnson do seven, eight, and nine, I think it's phenomenal. Um, or if mm-hmm. you let JJ do seven, eight, nine, it's at least better than what it was. But that sequel trilogy's biggest problem is that there's no overarching. Like they didn't know where they were going when they started it. They didn't have totally. It's all over the place. It's a lot yeah. like Lost. You know, it starts off so strong in a lot of ways, but like when you go back and rewatch it, you're like, this isn't as strong as I thought it was when I saw it. And then the middle has a lot of really good stuff in it, but it, it's divisive. And then, uh, and it's probably a little bit more of a thinker than the genres used to. And then the la- the end, the last like two <laughs> yeah. seasons of Lost, is just like a shit show. And you're like, what happened? And I don't know if that's because JJ's involved or what. But There was too much, I'm going to say, um, 
taking chances and then too much course correction in the mm-hmm. sequel trilogy because mm-hmm. we all know where we started in seven with a with a safe approach to it which i i like seven but i think you're right you know with eight they started to take some chances and then they didn't like the um the results or what they heard and then they overcorrected with um with they nine definitely yeah. overcorrected yeah, that the sequel trilogy, we can have a whole other conversation about that. That that is, Probably I will tear those to pieces. Yeah, same. <laughs> I'll still watch them. I don't hate them. I, I don't look. I, even nine. I don't. I don't hate nine. It's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's got some cool scenes in it. Um, That's the thing. It has redeeming qualities. Eh, does it? I, well, maybe. I, I guess it depends on how you define redeeming qualities. It's. It doesn't work as a movie, but which isn't great to say, but like I've only seen nine the one time in theaters, but wasn't it a twofer that there was a stormtrooper on like a hover bike and oh, he had a jetpack? Well no, there was um it was there being chased by multiple troopers and some were in the air and some were on uh like skips, like like uh, hoverboard kind of things. And yes, yeah, so okay, they shoot hoverboard. they shot and the dude was like, in the jetpack and he crashed into one of the the, yeah, yeah, I was that like was two for cool. two. This is like the best part of this entire movie because I don't know. For me, it's <laughs> um, maybe it's because deep down inside, I feel sorry for the working man <laughs> because I've been there. But like any time the stormtroopers got new tech, I'm like, yeah, I love this. <laughs> like you go, stormtrooper with a jetpack. <laughs> Like I know. Zach I was saying, we could be here all day talking about seven, eight, and nine. <laughs> One real quick thing uh, about nine to me is that it really just should have been two movies. I think uh, the pacing there, there's so many issues with that movie, but they tried to cram in way too much. The problem is that eight goes out of its way to discount everything that was set up in seven, and then nine goes out of its way to erase everything that was done in eight. So you don't really get yeah. a full story; you get a bunch of bullshit. Um. But that said, Eric, what are your three favorite? Sounds like movies? a great segue <laughs> to Eric's movies. Speaking of bullshit, what are your so favorite? So my favorite Eric? one is episode nine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nine, eight, and seven in that order. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, you know, this has been a fun podcast. I'm going to pull the cor- uh, ripcord and never do this again. This is a horrible idea. <laughs> All right. So real quick, uh, my favorites. Uh, Number one, Rogue One, uh, followed nice. quickly by Empire Strikes Back. Uh, they're both way up there, and honestly, I could probably you know switch them. Uh, they're 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 like neck and neck. They're right up there for me. Uh, but then the third one, like Chris was saying, is kind of tough. Um, it's it depends on the day. I think I'm gonna I'm just gonna have to say Episode Three uh, for right now. Uh, I actually really, you know, it's it's not a perfect movie. There's a lot of issues I have with it, but I also have a lot of issues with Return of the Jedi. So <laughs> that's fair. That's totally fair. Jedi has a lot of issues. Yeah, I think I think what wins me over though with Episode Three is just the bleak, dark ending, like that tragic ending. Mm-hmm. I don't know for whatever reason that kind of works for me. Um, it you know. Yeah, I, I just enjoy it. I think there's some good action in it. Palpatine's great. Uh, and, you know, getting to see the origin of Vader was really cool. So, yeah, Zach, what do you say, man? There, there, there was a lot of good things in three. I agree with you, Eric. But it did not make my, my top three. Um, no, that's understandable. It, it, is, it is tough to choose a top three. I, 
depending on the day, I lean more towards also Rogue One being my favorite. It's either that or Empire. I've always Empire, I think, was always one of my favorites. It's a fantastic. Uh, and then Rogue One came out, and I think, as a whole, Rogue One does a fant- fantabulous job of just telling its own story set yeah. within the universe. It it just fits in perfectly. It's it's not a perfect film, but it just how it fits in is incredible. Empire, yeah, I always love a good a good story that leaves you wanting more. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yes. leave you with a cliffhanger, but damn it, I gotta go. What are we gonna do about Han? How is Luke gonna whack off now? Well, he's got a sister, <laughs> so that's good. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Likes to ma- make out with whatever. He didn't um, know they were so- sisters yet. <laughs> Well, at George the Lucas time. didn't know. He either. didn't know. What was that? That someone brings it up and they freak out. He's like he didn't know. You son of a bitch! He didn't know. None of us knew. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, it would probably be Rogue One, then Empire, and then um, I would probably have uh, a New Hope because that's what started yeah. it all. Yeah. It laid the groundwork. That is, I what was tempted to put that there. Everything has. Uh, has been based upon Return of the Jedi has a lot of great a lot of great parts but there's some that I, yeah I'm not a fan of of the prequel trilogy I I think my favorite of those yeah would have been Revenge of the Sith because it has a lot of great stuff a lot of great fight and story development and how that ends it it really feels like a wrap up to a story as well and that's what I think I like best about episode three it really wraps up the the trilogy in a tragic way you had to go you had to go slogging through a lot of shit to get to to the end of episode three for that payoff but i think they did a good job with it so that's what i'm gonna go with yeah they pulled it off they they stuck the landing three, I, well, the one com the one compliment i'll give to three um is that it is a really really good like it looks yeah. good the uh the effects team did a tremendous job like developing these different locales and like the every place kind of feels very well thought out. Whereas in the prequels, I don't think that's always the case. Um, I think sometimes it's just like a bunch of crap on the screen, but I, not so much in part three. Eric, I know you had shared on Twitter that we were going to be talking about Rogue One tonight. You had asked if anybody wanted to share their thoughts on the movie. Did you get any responses? <laughs> I'm not sure. Let me check real quick. While you're doing that, (laughs) I got a response. I had shared it. Um, The FJ podcast had responded saying that Rogue One was simply put the single best Star Wars movie of the modern era. It took a minor footnote from the first movie, turned what we should expect from a Star Wars movie on its head. It's It's unlikely that Disney and Lucasfilm would have ventured into TV without its success. It is also one of the better thrillers and better war movies of the past decade. Sure, it had trouble production, but look how it turned out. Rogue One is the third best film in the series after Empire and Star Wars. I will not be taking any questions at this time. So that's from the FJ podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I appreciate the comment, and I also um, think that's a very defendable position. Did you have anyone, Eric? Oh, here we go. Uh, so, tr- yeah. So, uh, Troidal Power, Troy, from Podcast Troy. Uh, he on Twitter he says, "I love Rogue One. I think it does a super cool job of showing a story the main movies hinted at without feeling the need to explain a whole load of other things along the way. It truly felt like a spinoff and introduced and then killed some great characters. One of my faves." Oh, 
Thanks, Troy. Agreed. You know, I, I gotta say, like, to his point, and one of the things that I do greatly appreciate about this movie is they kill him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. they push out like, on it. There's some finality it's, to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not this bullshit, like, you know, deus ex machina that gets him out. Right. And in this way, like, you, you don't have to worry about, say, like, their ancestors coming back now the like them trying to extend the future they might go back in the past and do something that's whatever sure but and they definitely are but (laughs) yeah but they they cannot make it more complex in the future i say that but then there's going to be like some secret love child you know um, (laughs) that they just bullshit and make up but i i like the finality and i think that was probably the most surprising part of the entire film is when they died, and I'm like, oh shit, they're gone. They're that's they're it. dead. Like, yeah, they're really yeah. that's it. They're really fucking you know? dead. <laughs> yeah, I I think that really like that sold the movie to me. Like at the very end when they die, because it's like cool. Like you cared well, enough about these characters to like give them a dramatic ending that wasn't just yeah. bullshit. You know. Well, and I I'm gonna keep beating this dead horse, but like it's not just a great movie. It really builds on the original trilogy it builds those up it makes those movies better uh and i think that's really an incredible feat because they're really great movies to begin with all right well do you guys have any final thoughts for for rogue one before we wrap up um i thought we didn't really talk about k2 that much except how much we all liked him but i thought he had some really Mm. great bits like when um we first meet grown up Jin and she's escaping from the transport and he just clocks the shit <laughs> yes. out of her. And he's like, you're being rescued. Um, my favorite, <laughs> maybe my favorite single bit in the entire movie is where she's they're out there um, looking for Saw Gerrera and they're on the, 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 the street where like that tank squadron is being attacked and they just kind of like get caught up in the middle of this firefight. <laughs> yes. And the K2 unit comes around this, the corner, shoots she just him, spins around and shoots a hole in its chest. And you're like, Oh shit. And then K2 SOs standing right behind it. Like, did you know that wasn't me? Uh, and she's, Oh of, yeah. Of course I did. <laughs> He's like, I'll choose to believe that. <laughs> but his, he yeah. has so many great <laughs> lines and it's so sad when he dies. Um, it's just, you know, it's a bummer. And the fact that you know they're all going to die, I think, adds so much weight to, like, every action taken during the, the fight scenes. Because anytime anything happens to any one of them, you're like, here it comes! You know, you just, you're expecting it. But at the same time, you're dreading it. And, um, yeah, I thought, just excellent job all the I way mean, around. The first really. time viewing it, I had no idea how it was going to end. I still half expected these people, these characters, to still exist. I knew that they weren't going to be in the in the movies coming up, but I did not, I did not know that every one of the people that we have come to know and love throughout this, you know, two hour movie was going to bite it. Literally everybody. I, I was <laughs> expecting, it's one of those where it's like the story is leading up to everyone dying. Cause there's like no way for them to escape. But like, you're waiting for like the you know, Jedi are here or some nonsense. Like, right? yeah. Like I said, I'm waiting for like the deus ex machina yeah. where it's just going to be like something you know, that has not been previously mentioned, just like swoops in. Look and out, saves it's everybody. the life star. <laughs> what? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. And it, it's just star. the, uh, oh, God. If it were um, Padme's ship <laughs> from episode one. Oh, man. Like, you mother. 
uh, Jar Jar's Jar Jar there. there. <laughs> Samuel <laughs> Jackson now has a lightsaber, you know, stapled to what used to be his hand. Dude, uh, I would have loved to see Samuel Jackson, Mace Windu, come like back actually do point. something. Maybe yeah, that the Mandalorian. It would have it would have been it would have been cool if he actually did something. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag not bitter. He killed, he killed Django, so he did. He technically did do something. True. Yeah, he killed the, the weak, the weaker labor Boba Fett, <laughs> the guy who got three. <laughs> and Boba Fett, Boba Fett got taken out by accident. Let's he remember. got taken out by accident and spent a few decades yeah. in a sarlacc pit. Yeah, and then he was recast and he came out yeah. fine. He's good. <laughs> oh, so I also got to applaud this movie because Jen Erso is a great character. And that's one thing I feel like Star Wars was kind of lacking prior to this was great female characters. We so had there's like two Princess females Leia, in the whole original trilogy. Mon Mothma. Yep. Yeah, Mon Mothma yeah, there's like and two. Leia, and that's it. Other than like maybe one or two other I guess, like background yeah, characters. Yeah, we got Padme now. Yeah. And and we do have we do have Rey. But well, Rey's yeah. a pretty big deal. I, I think yeah. out of out of all the newer characters, I think Jen's probably the best written. Uh, yeah, I would definitely personally. I think Jin's a better character than Ray, just because she's more realized. She feels more like a yeah. real person to me than mm-hmm. Ray ever did. And that's not the fault. And of that's Daisy not that's Ridley. not Daisy Ridley. Exactly. Fault. Yeah, just, no, she's great. But. Yeah, um, it's just the fact that you know maybe Gavin Evers should have made the sequel trilogy. <laughs> clearly had a <laughs> yeah. Clearly, and you know what it is? I think this movie is clearly made by people that have a deep-seated affinity for the original trilogy. Like, they love those movies. Mm-hmm. And so this is the first time tell. something was made by somebody wanting to recreate that but make it new um, and not just, like, cash in, I guess. I, although they're, it's a movie, so they're all made to make money, of course. But um, mm-hmm. whereas the, it just, I don't know, it just hits, like, all the right buttons and it's just, it's almost like a really, really, really good fan film. If that makes sense, you know, like if someone on YouTube had a budget of like 115 yeah, million dollars, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this might be what you get. Also, real quick, um, I know you touched on how there's like we don't have a lot of female heroes you know, within the Star Wars universe. One one of the other good things that I like that Rogue One did is after I think it was like 30 something years, uh-huh. they brought in female uh pilots that were originally in Return of the Jedi and they brought yes. they they had been on the cutting room floor and they utilized these former shots from yeah, 30 plus years Ooh. ago from Return of the Jedi. Really? And they wow. and, Yeah, those were the female that. pilots. Oh, that's really yeah, cool. It's a piece that's piece really of history cool. that no they clue. brought they specifically grabbed that because it was cut for whatever nice. reason originally and they brought that into rogue one and that, i always thought that was pretty cool wow that's awesome i, I noticed so, they had a gold leader in there i didn't realize oh that's awesome yeah that's super cool it ties it even more to the original trilogy because it actually has a piece of it in there now that's awesome that's really cool Hmm. I get all sorts of shit rattling around my head. <laughs> it cool. just comes out at weird yeah. times. Learn something new. <laughs> Whoever, whoever's editing this should put a, the more you know sound effect there. Oh, me some more you know. Well, this has been a lot of fun. And <laughs> speaking of which, next episode, because Podcasters uh, Assemble is tackling Ghostbusters, yeah. Eric, we had briefly chatted that we are going to also do something... Ghostbuster-esque. It won't be part of the main storyline, but it's like, what, the 1970s or 80s, the Ghostbusters? Is that what we're going to do? 
Oh, Jesus, God. With the gorilla? With the gorilla. That's <laughs> yeah, right, Yeah, the buddy. one with the gorilla. Oh, God. So, yeah, oh, Chris no. is on board for that one, series, clearly. I want to say. And then there's an animated one. <laughs> that's why, yeah, that's why the animated go- are Ghostbusters. The animated series is called uh-huh. The Real yep. Ghostbusters. Because wh- the, the, the live action movie was obviously made before... This is so confusing. Before the Bill Murray, uh, Dan Aykroyd one. <laughs> yeah. So they didn't have to worry about the, the brand name confusion so much. But the cartoon one was either just finished or was still being made at the time that the cartoon adaptation of our, God damn it, our Ghostbusters came out. So they had to change the name <laughs> yeah. so you didn't have two things called Ghostbusters on at the same time. Now, as a kid, I can't tell you how many times... My friends and I would wake up and look at either Channel 4 with, like, the rotating list of what's on that takes, like, five hours to get through all the channels and you always miss the one you're looking for for some reason. Or you look at the newspaper to see, like, the TV listings. And we would see Ghostbusters at, like, you know, 9 o'clock on Saturday morning and be like, sweet! And you go put it on and it's that shit. <laughs> like, what, 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 is, what is happening? I don't like Chris, they, the two cartoons <laughs> debuted within five days of each other. There you go. Yep. There <laughs> you go. Nuts. And my other favorite thing, of wow, course, is yeah. the fact that um, wow, Bill Murray, of course, is Peter Venkman and the live action version of Garfield for mm-hmm. some reason. But the guy that did the voice of Garfield in the cartoon also did the voice of Peter Venkman on the real it's Ghostbusters. A, it's a bit of a flip. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. And I think uh, Freddy from Scooby-Doo is, is uh, Ray. It's not complicated, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember oh, that. That's it, cool. Yeah. yeah, I'd have to go look that up. But I'm my mind is in Star Wars, not in Ghostbusters at the moment. <laughs> Fair enough. My mind's always on Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, well, guys, this has been fun. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to to yeah. next month. Um, please sub- subscribe to Podcasters Assemble. This will be a monthly or bi monthly series that we do to run alongside of Podcasters Assemble rate review and also help support uh, all the guests that we have today eric remind everybody where else you can be found yeah uh so you can find me all over social media at eric slater that's e-r-i-k-s-l-a-d-e-r and um yeah check out my podcast epic fails of history that's epic with a k which can be found on epicfails.com and probably work.com as well uh, yeah, Chris, you can find yeah, me over, over ComicZombie.net uh, Comic Zombie Podcast can also be found at ProbablyWork.com um, I'm also on Epic Fails of History and you can find Comic Zombie on Facebook and Twitter and now on Instagram as well And you can find me at Twimby Podcast that's T-W-I-M-B Podcast uh, everywhere Um Website, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I I think I'm most active on that account on Twitter, though. He's even in your closet. He's everywhere. <laughs> right now. Oh, God. He sees you when you're sleeping. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to Dave Steele uh, for his awesome um, intro and outro. Uh, he's fantastic. Like, I, I don't know where you found this guy, but he should be narrating movies. Or at least movie trailers. Dave is actually the voice guy for my radio station. So he does all of my imaging for the radio. Nice. Uh, and when I approached him about it, uh, he was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I love this stuff. So he, he was very excited when we actually 
completed the episode and then I sent it to him. He never got back to me, so I don't know if he hates it or likes it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. No, he uh, he lost all of his excitement after he heard it. Like, oh, this is my name ain't gonna be on this. Well, thank you for for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, have fun, and uh, until next time, uh, be safe. Because I don't know how the fuck to wrap this up. Party on, Wayne. <laughs> Later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Podcasters Assemble is a production of the We Can Make This Work, Probably, Podcast Network. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com and learn how to contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble by looking us up on Twitter and Instagram at Casters Assemble or joining our Discord page. Link in the show notes. Submissions are always open. Intro written by Eric Slater. This episode was edited by Zach Derby. Voiceover by a guy in a basement with three daughters who's just glad he's not on food stamps. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to where you can find them all online. Thank you. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. If you're a fan of this podcast and want to see it continue, help support us on Patreon, where you can unlock tons of exclusive content, including, but not limited to, movie commentaries, ad-free versions of our promo specials, extended cuts, early access to new episodes, behind-the-scenes clips, first access to merchandise, blooper reels, and even a chance to vote on what we cover next on our podcasters' disassembled episodes. Just head right on over to patreon.com slash podcastersassemble. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash podcastersassemble. Link in the show notes.